Today's episode, Who is the Mud Dog? We're looking for our next caller. The lines are open. The lines are completely open. We are open to receive your calls right now. I'm not having any kind of technical problems. It's weird. There's something wrong with the board, maybe? Nothing's lighting up in here. And that, that seems impossible to me. That doesn't make sense. Give us a call. We're just uh, we're chatting live on the radio. It's phone in. Oh wait, here we here we are. Here we are. We have uh, we have a caller. This is Escobar calling from Orleans, Ontario. Escobar, you're on the line. Hey, Jonathan. Hi. It's me, Gregor. And I was just calling you because it's painful. Well, well, it's this isn't the best time for you to be calling. Uh, I think I think it's, I think it's a very good time because I think you're in trouble, my friend. Yeah. Well, I think. Let I me think ask you a question. Why do you think no one's calling in? I, frankly, I think that we might be having some problem with the phone line. Yeah, there's no problem with the phone line. I picked up the phone in two seconds and picked right up. There's no problem with the phone line. The problem is you, my friend. Gregor, this is really... The, Call me Escobar. <laughs> okay, really. The, the, the line is open for my listeners. You no, shouldn't be calling right believe now. Believe me, I'm your only listener. I'm, I'm here to help you because it's painful. Okay. I want you to succeed. You're my friend. I, so let me just give you some advice, all right? It's a little free advice. All right, uh, to our listeners... Um, I should probably explain that uh, Gregor is a, how would you describe yourself, Gregor, a well-meaning friend? Take a look around. Who's doing call-in radio anymore? What do you think this is, 1972? The only people who are going to call you are teenagers who are looking to make prank phone calls. Well, I, I don't think that's true. I think. First of all, I think what you should do when you get home today is go out and buy yourself a radio, okay? They have something in the morning. It's called a morning zoo, a lot of these radio stations, and they have a character. So you don't have to be like... Hi, my name's Jonathan Goldstein. You guys I, I don't sound like that. Okay. Come up with a name that someone that sounds like they're in show business to begin with. You need a name that people can remember that rolls off the tongue. Uh-huh. Something like the Mud Dog. I'm not saying be someone other than who you are. I'm just saying don't be Jonathan Goldstein. Be the Mud Dog. Well, who is the Mud Dog? The Mud Dog is a, is a junkyard dog who doesn't take anything from anyone, who holds on to, gets a bone and won't let go. Maybe you get a sidekick named the Bone, so it's Mud Dog and the Bone. Right. When they're driving their cars to work, they want to hear someone talking about something they care about, not like some nebbish named Jonathan Goldstein who's just mincing his way through a piece of matzah. They want something they can relate to. So what are you saying, that I should, I should just change my format entirely? Yes. Just change who I am? Yes, 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 and yes. Mm-hmm. And not just change it, but make it better. Yeah. Here's the thing about your show right now. Mm-hmm. No one wants to listen to it. Yeah. And I know a few people, like, listen to it because they have no choice, like maybe they're in prison. But I'm not talking about shut-ins and the unemployable. I mean, if you want to attract a broad audience, you've got to do the kind of things that people want to hear. When you're suggesting that I, I become the mud dog. I'm suggesting fun. Are you familiar with fun? Have you ever heard of fun? People want to have fun. I, I like to have fun. I, okay, I, so I can be very fun. Okay. What's fun about this? Uh, hello? There's no one calling me? Uh, there's no one on my phone lines? Hello? Maybe we'll take a break and I'll eat my tuna fish sandwich that I brought with me to work wrapped in wax paper. Is that fun? I don't think so. Look, I don't mean to beat up on you, but mm-hmm. take a look at what's out there. What are people spending their money on? Talk about rock music, some wet T-shirt contest news or news of the weird, you know, when someone gets strangled and they were naked. Something exciting that people get excited about. A headless dancer found topless today, you know what I'm saying? People love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's an idea. You, you smear peanut butter all over yourself, and you get a, a naked girl in the studio puts jelly on it, and you have, like, the peanut butter and jelly thing, and it's, like, sponsored by some local cafeteria. 
And and by the way, I don't want to hear the Jonathan Goldstein peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's disgusting. I want to hear about the mud dog peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I I think that you know radio should have some element of uplift to it. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be catering to the lowest common denominator. The lowest common denominator. Listen to you. You sound like a grade school math teacher. Listen, why don't we try this? Mm-hmm. Say you're the mud dog and I'm your sidekick bone, right? Mm-hmm. All right, let's just try it, just for just for two minutes. I'm not sure I know what the mud dog is. You'll get into character. Believe me, this is going to feel like you're trying on someone's sweater that fits you. Right. And 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 I actually have a few sound effects that I'm going to I'm going to throw in. Just oh, to you do? Feel, yeah. Really? So you you're you've been ready for this? Well, you know, yes. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready? Yeah. So imagine, here's how your show begins. All right. Hey, it's my dog in the bone. Hey, thank God it's Friday. TGIF. Hey, tell your boss to take this job and shove it. You know what I'm saying? What? What is that? That was a dog barking. It's like, who let the dogs out? Woof, woof. That's. I, I really don't like that. It's really annoying. What are you, a cat? You don't like it. You know, sound effects make a show fun. Like, mm-hmm. like, hey, like the wife's after me all weekend. I got to do chores around the house, but I'm going to the game. <laughs> That's my last sound effect. Mm-hmm. And then, what does that sound mean? That's a sheep. Like, yeah, right. When do I play the sheep sound? You know, when someone's being a little sheepish or something. Ah, uh-huh. and so you think that that the key to good radio is more sound effects. But maybe my radio show, you know, is a little different. It is different. It's worse. Listen. And what is that? And what is that supposed to impart? It's supposed to impart. What are you writing your thesis? You just need to lighten up. A rubber duck is funny, like ducks are funny. Mm-hmm. Now you go. And now I go. Come on, just say something. All right. I. I don't. God, I don't know. I'm. I'm the mud dog. I. Um. No, not I'm the mud dog. Come on, give me the I'm the mud dog. Like someone, you're in the junkyard and someone took your bone. You're angry. I I don't think it's gonna work, Gregor. Uh, okay, I I'm the mud dog. Um, all right. First of all, stop saying mud dog. Well, you told me to say mud dog. No, your name's not mud dog. It's mud dog. I want you to say mud dog when you say your name. Your dog tied to a parked car. You're the mud dog. Come on, are you having a bad day, mud dog? Well, Bone, uh, you're Bone or you're The Bone? Do I call you The Bone? I'm do The I, Bone, my dog, The so I, Bone. Do I, do I call you Bone? Do it's I say the Dog Bone. You see, you're not answering me. You it's do, the Dog it, Bone. No, because this whole thing doesn't make any sense. Give the Mud Dog a bone. I'm The Bone. You're The Mud Dog. Any questions? Yeah, I don't know what the hell we're doing, Gregor. That, that's my, I, I, this doesn't make any sense to me. That sounds like the mud dog's getting ready to bite. Maybe hear you growl, mud dog. Come on, let me hear you growl, mud dog. I, I, I'm not going to be able to growl. Why don't we start with a little bark? Ruff. Arf. I, I, this feels really ridiculous. I, I, I can't do yeah, this. It sounds kind. ridiculous because you're barking like a little lap dog. Let me explain to you about the mud dog, okay? Hmm. The mud dog evokes the spirit of the outlaw. See, most people... Hmm. Most people who are going to listen to this show are on their way to some job they hate, right? Mm-hmm. And they're stuck in traffic, and they have all these problems, or they imagine themselves to have a lot of problems. Now, you are going to serve as the release valve for all those problems, because you come on, and you express what they can't express. That's why we call you the mud dog. Mm-hmm. Now, let them have it. What's got the mud dog mad today? Too many cable channels, not enough on. How come you got to wait for trains at the train tracks all the time where they're crossing with your cars? I'm in a rush. i got somewhere to be. I'm the mud dog. 
Yeah, but that would be horrible. I mean, I wouldn't want to encourage people to, like, try to, like, jump a railroad signal no or something. No one's going to jump a railroad signal. You're just complaining about it. You don't have to do anything about it. No, but, I mean, I wouldn't complain. I mean, that seems like a pretty good commonsensical idea to me. Common sense. You know, waiting when a train's coming. There's a lot of stuff you could complain about, like, hey, what's with the ambulance sirens I hear in the middle of the night waking me up? I'm, the mud dog's trying to sleep. He's got to get up early. Craig, I mean, there's, there's, you know, I mean, these ambulances are like, you know, they're, they're taking sick and, el you know, uh, people that are dying to the hospital. Oh, come on. They don't have to play those stupid. They, I think the reason people become ambulance drivers is so they can race around the city waking people up. Come on. Get into it. Oh. Gregor, I've got an I, I've actually got another call coming in, an, an actual real listener. See, it's working already. Congratulations, Mud Dog. Right. Okay. I, I'm going to let you go. Okay. okay. I'm going to sign off. Mud Dog, this is the Bone signing off. Looks like I resuscitated your ratings. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Sounds like the dogs have begun to bark in the dog pound. Gregor, goodbye. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I like. Okay, and our next caller, we have Stuart calling from London, Ontario. Hello? Yes, hi. Hi. Go ahead, Stuart. Um, all right. Uh, I need some advice about uh, how to proceed. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I'm here for. Good, okay. Um, I have a good friend who keeps on getting me gifts, and they're just lame. Well, mm -hmm. you know, it's not that they're lame. They're not lame. I'm sorry. They just stink. Mm. Like, for example, I did a PhD. Uh, uh, sorry. Whoa, that was a slip. I did a master's. I did everything but the PhD. I did my coursework and everything. But in, in literature, mm -hmm. about a writer named Carson McCullers. Do you know who Carson McCullers is? Sure. Okay. So, you know, for my uh, – when I got my master's degree, um, and, you know, handed in the first part of my thesis – this friend of mine, she got me a um, signed first edition of The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. Well, that's very thoughtful. Yeah, except guess what? I've read the book, right? Right. I, like, I have my master's in it. Yeah, you would have. Like, what does she think? I haven't read the book? So I was like, fine, thanks, whatever. You know, whatever. That's yeah. fine. But I, okay, but I mean, maybe you know, maybe it was. Um, it was I don't know. It seemed really sort of weird and thoughtless to me, and kind of insulting. Uh huh. You know. But I mean, okay. yeah. So I didn't say anything. I was like, oh, thank you, thank you. You know, because what are you going to do? I didn't want to seem ungracious. Could, I mean, can I just oh, hold on? Okay. It gets worse. Okay. Just let me, you know, mm -hmm. right. go through the list of things. So around the same time, you know, the masters is done. So I'm going to take myself on a little trip. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go biking through uh, the Italian Alps, mm -hmm. you know. So I had this trip all planned out. Mm -hmm. Okay. At the last minute, my miles, you know, my frequent flyer miles mm -hmm. didn't work out. So the trip is canceled. Okay. Like three days later, I'm at my house, and the doorbell rings, and I go to the door, and there's nobody there. But what is there is this um, mountain racing bike. Like this really fancy Italian mountain racing bike. Hmm. Okay. With a card from my friend, Little Miss Emasculator, that says, Sorry you couldn't go on your trip. Hope this makes up for it. Wow, that that seems 
pretty really bitchy, right? Excuse me. I know. It's like, sorry, you couldn't go on your trip. Here's a reminder of how you couldn't go on your trip. It's like, sorry, you have an open wound. Here's a box of rock salt to put in it. Wait, well, no, Stu. I mean, that 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 seems like an incredibly nice thing to do. No. Okay. What are you high? Stuart, I feel like I feel like maybe there's an element to this that I'm not getting. Like, is this kind of like one of these tortured friendships where you feel like she's sort of rubbing your face in it because she's richer than you or something? Like, how, how, how did you meet? How did you meet her? Oh well, there's I mean there's there's a story, and that that I think might be the whole thing. Uh huh. Okay, I see. Um, I experienced some uh, renal failure when I was a younger man. Kidney failure. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. Um, and I got a new kidney from an anonymous donor. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when I was uh, recuperating and you know got better and all that, like an idiot, I actually asked um, if it was possible that I might meet the donor of the kidney, and guess who it was? It was her. And you know, so we became friends thereafter. Stuart, what is this woman's name? Lorraine. She, so let me get this clear. So she, she gave you one of her own kidneys. No, she gave a kidney to the Ontario medical system, and I happened to get it. You know, ever since, you know, each little, uh, each little gift is like, um, you know, it's like, getting, it's like getting a letter from your parole officer. You know, still feel guilty? You ought to. You know, don't forget the crime you committed. Um, you know, in my case, the terrible crime of having kidney failure. Um, so, so you know, did, did, here's a here's a book to make you feel guilty. Did, uh, Stuart, make did, you remember that I own you. That part of me is you. Part of the essential meat of your yourself uh, is mine. Stuart, did, better not forget it. Did did, did she actually ever ex- explicitly say to you any of these things? Oh, please. She's you know she's she's too masterful to say any of that. She's crafty. She's not an idiot. Wow. Anyway, okay, here's the thing. I don't know what to do. One part of me wants to have a dinner party. Mm-hmm. Not, not a dinner party, like a big party. You know, mm-hmm. everybody that I know. Ostensibly uh, for my master's degree. Mm-hmm. But then when the party is at, um, at its height, I wanted to um, make a toast, you know. And then I would publicly acknowledge the gift. Right. And then at the height of my speech, bring them out and basically dump them at her feet and just be like, you can have these back because clearly these are more valuable to you than they are to me. And the next time, what was I going to say? That? And the next time you wanted to control, wait, I wrote it down somewhere. I just wanted to find it. Oh, yeah. And the next time you wanted to control someone like a lap dog, why don't you just go to the Humane Society? And then I was just going to, like, walk out. Stu- 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 anyway, okay, I was thinking of either doing that, but then I thought, I can't leave a party in my own home. That, that would just be rude. Yeah. So I was just thinking of, um, you know, putting the things on either her porch or leaving them on her lawn. So basically, I'm sort of asking, do you think, I mean, we know a book is flammable. Do you think a bicycle is flammable? You're asking me this? Yeah. Because you're thinking of you're gonna you're gonna leave all the gifts that she's given you in a pile on her front lawn in in flames. In flames? Yes, exactly. Well, cause, you know, I don't want to. You know, I always. This is my big problem. Is I I always stop short of really saying what I feel. 
you know, and so people walk all over me, and it always happens, you know, and I always leave out the final thing, so that there's, there's always room for misinterpretation, and people uh, never know what I mean, and... Um, so you figured this would be pretty emphatic... Yeah, so that she would know, like why I'm so insulted and upset. And and why is it again that you're that you're so insulted and upset? Because I just, I don't know. It just seems like it's always all about her, always all about Lorraine, like Lorraine and her selfless gestures. Lorraine and you know, it's like you know, I'm not a charity case. I'm not a dog. You know, she she should just do what she perceives to be her good works for someone who you know, someone who I, I don't know if I can say this on the radio, but someone who gives a shit, frankly. Uh, you know, Stuart, I, I, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a sort of sympathetic ear to people, but I, I got to tell you, I'm not feeling a lot of sympathy for you right now. I mean, I, I don't get it. It, it, it sounds like she's a pretty extraordinary. Oh, don't, don't, don't. I mean, don't it, even. This is. Uh, I mean, she, she gave you a kidney. Oh my God! Here it comes. Here it comes. I mean, that, that doesn't that seem like the, the doings of a, of a, of a pretty nice person? There was a time in my life when I might have thought that, but basically my feeling is like it's the behavior of an incredibly controlling person. I'm ready to, to cry uncle, you know. It's like, okay, you got me, you know, whatever, you win. I, uh, I get it. You're nice. I, I think, like, of the, you know, of the two choices that you've presented me with. Yeah. I would choose the former, where you throw the big party. Me too. It's so funny you say that. But just with one difference. Yeah. Well, you know the part where, like, you put all the gifts by your feet and stuff like that? Yeah. You're about to tell her where to get off. I, I was thinking maybe instead you, you, you look up at her and you thank her. So I look up and I thank her and then... You show her, you show her gratitude. What do you really think I should do? No, I mean, I mean, just that. I mean, that you, you know, that you just, I mean, thank her for the nice things that she's done for you. Good God. I guess that's what I, you know, you and all my friends think I should do is, uh, uh you know, something, forget it. Never mind. Pretend I never called, because, frankly, you've been, none of you has been any help. Caller up, we have Millicent phoning from Toronto, Ontario. Millicent, you're on the line. Millicent? Is this Mr. Goldstein? Yes, that's right. Go ahead. Oh, I've never been on the radio. How many people listen to your show? It, it varies from night to night, I'm sure. What, what, what can I help you with, uh, Millicent? I, I really need some advice because I'm having trouble with some career planning. Oh, I see. How old are you, Millicent? I'm 20. And I'm going to York, but I'm in science. But I, I just have so many fights with my parents. I, I really want to be a writer. Oh, I see. Oh, my parents are just so against it, you know? Uh-huh. They're both doctors. And they want you to follow in their footsteps. Yeah, the whole family's doctors and nurses. I can't think of one person who's not a doctor. 
We do have a crazy Anne in New York, though, who's an artist, but I don't think they respect that. So you're, you, I see. So you're concerned because you, you want them, you want to please your parents. Yeah, I'm not as rebellious as I think I am, I guess. But it isn't just that. I really like writing. It's my passion. Yeah. Mr. Goldstein, every time that I bring it up at the dinner table that I want to be a writer, mm -hmm. they just get so pale looking and they start playing with the cutlery and they change the subject. And, mm. and I don't know, it's just really, I have to wear my glasses for the lab classes and I just feel like such a nerd. You mean, you mean the goggles? Glasses and goggles. You're not allowed to wear contacts in case something goes in your eye. And, and you find that problematic? Yeah, because no guys will look at me with my glasses on. Uh, I guess I'll, the main reason I wanted to, what I wanted to ask you is if I could read something to you and if you could tell me if I'm any good, if if you can um, respect me and tell me if I've got the goods to make it. Because if I don't, I'm just going to do what my parents want. I mean, I, I think ultimately, you know, you should do whatever you want, but I mean, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to hear something that you've written, though. Do you, I mean, do you have something uh, with you that you'd like to read? Um, I have this book I'm working on. And what's it about? It's about a 20-year-old girl in college. Like you? Well, yeah, but it's me, but it's not me, you know. Yeah. And um, and and what uh, is there a particular section that you'd like to read? Yeah, there's this part where she meets um, her boyfriend for the first time, and they and they go out, and he's He's um, really cool. Uh-huh. He doesn't have glasses. What, what's his name? Melcott. And, and, what is the, and what is the girl's name? Alice. Are you going to laugh? No, no, I assure you, Millicent, I won't laugh. I'm, you know, I take it, I, I'll be taking it very seriously. Okay. Listening with a critical ear. Okay. On the way to the diner, Nelcott ripped a marigold out of someone's flower box and gave it to her. She smelled it, made a wish, and threw it over the person's fence. He ripped another one and put it behind his ear like a cigarette. In the diner, as they waited for their drinks to come, Nelcott reached over to the metal bowl of creamers and took one. He ripped back the paper top and swallowed the half and half in one gulp like a whiskey shot. He did this two more times as Alice stared at him in wonder. He was a finicky eater. She had made him talk about this in detail. He would eat every kind of red meat, but the veins in chicken wings made him squeamish. His favorite meal was something called hamburger steak with brown, thick gravy all over it. Alice didn't understand. How could something be a hamburger and a steak? The menu was a paper menu that served as a placemat as well. Nelcott turned it over and took out a pen from the inside of his beat-up leather jacket. He wrote a question for her. She took the pen and wrote back. Even Nelcott's handwriting looked like he had just crawled out of bed. He wrote on her paper placemat, There's one of us now. He wanted her soul from the beginning. When Alice smelled love in the air, it wasn't the type of love that would comfort her or hold her or ask her if she was okay. It was a crazy love like an accordion player who would show up under a window and play for her in the rain. After their date, Alice sat on her bed and wasn't tired for once. 
Her sandals came off and then her jeans, and then she flung her lace underwear in the air. There was this couple in high school that Alice found herself thinking about a lot lately. They had been a very good sign to her that love still existed. They were a year older than Alice, and they both had pure white skin like they never ate pizza or cheeseburgers. What Alice remembered was watching that couple dance at the prom. The song, of course, was ridiculous. Meet Love's Paradise by the Dashboard Light. But as they danced, they really seemed free. There was nothing awkward about their dancing. At one point, the guy was trying to tell the girl something. He pulled her close to him by her wrist and cupped his other hand over her ear. She shook her head. She couldn't hear him. He thought it was maybe all her thick brown hair, so he delicately took strands of her hair and placed them behind her ear. She still couldn't hear him, so she dragged him down to the floor as if it were quieter down there, and they huddled together in the middle of the dance floor with everyone dancing around them. As Alice was falling asleep, she imagined her and Nelcott dancing in decked-out clothes. Even in her dreams, Nelcott was pulling off some fancy moves. Okay, so just hit me. Tell me what's going on. Was it all right, Mr. Goldstein? Nelson, I, I, um, I want to wish you a long and happy writing career. Are you serious? I think that's it. Hang up your goggles. <laughs> You're done. You don't know how much this means to me. Best of luck to you. Thanks. And our next caller. Wiretap today, you heard Gregor Ehrlich, who can be reached at mothproductions.com, David Rakoff, author of Don't Get Too Comfortable, and Golda Freed, reading from her novel, Nelcott is My Darling. Wiretap is written and performed by Jonathan Goldstein, and produced by Jonathan Goldstein, with Sarah Gilbert and Carolyn Warren. Production help from Mira Bertwin-Tonic.